Rebecca. Joshua. We're here at the kitchen table. I usually do these like phone calls, but I thought it'd be weird to call you if we're in the same place. We're quarantined together. Thankfully. Um, since this is audio only, we should probably paint the picture. We're here at the uh, kitchen table. You are in full uh, BDSM, tethered to the ceiling upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in a Clearly. Spider-Man costume. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Obvious. It's the quarantine life. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, I thought people would be interested, interested in, um, since we're home, we've been home for a while, and it's been a time for a lot of people to reflect on um, the things that they own, the things that they're burdened with. And maybe we could talk about some of the things that that, that might surprise people that we own mm-hmm. as, as a minimalist family. Um, I'll let you start. You let me start? Yeah. Why, thank you. That's so kind. I started going through some things the last few weeks that I was in Montana, in our home in Montana. Mm-hmm. And I came up with a donation bin of random assorted overused things right like like what worn out tennis shoes and clothes that ella had either grown out of or destroyed or (laughs) something along those lines so nothing terribly surprising um but what was irksome Mm -hmm. about that experience was that i went to donate said items Uh and the goodwill was closed now, I'm a big fan of Goodwill, but I, I also, and the reason I'm a big fan of the Goodwill is that I, I, they are a, a place that repurposes the things so we don't have to repurpose them on our own. Um, although, if I have something that's worth any money, I'll, I'll try to sell it on eBay. Or um, yeah, we sold uh, some chairs at a consignment shop recently. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, um, I'm all for doing that on my own, but I'd rather not have to do that with just the random things that, that we donate. However, I also recognize that any place that you donate stuff to will quite often take a large portion of that, and it will probably end up in a landfill. And, and, and so the, uh, the, the key is then to have fewer things to donate. Well, the only way to do that is to bring fewer things in. However, sometimes we have too much stuff. And... Uh, there's a constant joke with, amongst us that I have way too many jackets. You do have way too many jackets. Well, that's your opinion. I have... <laughs> uh, it's a bit judgmental, but okay. Um, the thing is, I'm not in the, the mindset of telling people that they have too many of, of anything, although I can tell you that my number of jackets would probably be inappropriate for most people. Your number of jackets would drive me insane. Right, right. Um, and I'm sure that there are, are similar things for anyone who's in a relationship where they, they either live together or they're just together frequently where they have things that sort of impede on their own preferences. Right? Mm, yeah. I remember when I lived with Ryan and Colin. Um, the joke was Ryan probably owns fewer things than any of us. He just leaves them strewn about the house. He has about 14 <laughs> items. And his undressing pattern, he lived in the basement. 
went and he would come in through the garage and like his undressing pattern would be like there'd be uh, one sock on the top stair and then there's like a shirt and then another sock and uh, just the way he undressed was in a, a strange pattern and then like his jeans would be on the floor next to his bed and and um, uh, it looked like a, a closed tornado sort of was how he undressed every night and but but the truth is like he didn't really own very many things and and I think people would be surprised that I think when they walk in here in, in a place like this and people have seen the home tour here we're in Los Angeles right now um, we don't own a whole lot of stuff but we we still own stuff yeah I don't our home doesn't strike me as minimal or minimalist it strikes me as really intentional and really clean like very specific items are around you know and our closets are not you know you open some minimalists closets and there's you know like ryan perhaps you know yeah four shirts hanging up or whatever well, i and, think i think he literally has eight t-shirts mm-hmm. and like two pairs of jeans right right neither of us are are that way with our wardrobes sure like both of us have i personally you know like having a bit more variety than eight of the same t-shirt uh-huh. although my wardrobe is very pared down yeah but there's some variety there you know i have white t-shirts and white tank tops and sure. <laughs> um you know a few sweaters and things like that but yeah nothing nothing excessive but also nothing that just screams like you've said before, oh my God, this family's a minimal. These, this is a family of minimalists. Yeah, unless you are, unless you have sort of like my own proclivities. I, I you know, I, I have OCD, as you know, and um, you, thank you for tolerating it, and, and maybe even appreciating it to a certain extent. I do appreciate it. And, but, but I can tell you that, like, I was a, a hoarder in quite literally. I mean, it wasn't as bad as maybe the the reality TV shows, but I owned a lot of stuff, and I hoard. I, OCD is a a, a, a mild mental disorder, at least, or it, it is for me. But it's for some people, it can be de- debilitating. It can and it can cause great suffering. And I think it actually calls great suffering for me as well. I had an entire basement full of of stuff like like. Um, magazines from 2003 like an entire collection of details magazine now you know you, you know ryan and i often talk about the just in case things and there were so many things like that was my justification even though had i even said it out loud it would have been absurd and now i know for me like there are simple rules like the 90 90 rule or whatever that applies to probably 99 percent of the things that i own or that we own yeah there's also an agreement, a sort of pact that we have that, like, we don't bring things into the home unless we both agree on it. Uh, yeah. It'd be really odd if you came home and all of a sudden there was, like, um, I don't know, I replaced our, our, the chair over there with another chair. Or just added a second chair. That would be strange. You'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, and and I, I think that's true with just about anything that we have. Now, that can be frustrating at times because like well I want to want this thing but it may not be appropriate for us together and that requires a certain level of communication and in order to communicate like that I think it, it, there's a certain I don't brutal honesty and bluntness we both have to be prepared for yeah I think we're both we're both very honest 
you're a bit more on the brutal side of the honesty than I am. But we both are honest. Okay. Right? Expand on that. How am I more brutal? You're just more blunt. Uh-huh. How so? Do you have any examples? Not at the moment. Okay. Um, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but also, when you ask me a question and you know it's going to be aggressively honest... Well, I was just going to say that, is... Like you are, you are far more blunt than I am, but I, I appreciate that bluntness almost all the time. Every now and then, if I don't feel like I have the emotional ability to handle the super blunt response, uh-huh. I'll ask you to like uh-huh. give me a less blunt or a less, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then I say, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't talk to a man that way. <laughs> You don't get to request that accommodation. <laughs> and you sometimes... Uh, yeah, that doesn't happen very often. I was talking to Jess, who does our social media for The Minimalist, and, and uh, <laughs> she she has come to terms with that. that mm-hmm. and, and my text messages are especially... Oh, I laughed so hard when I heard her talking about that. Yeah. So hard. Yes, your text messages are... Uh, emotionless right right and and the, the the reason being is i know how to convey emotion with writing really well yeah and, and because i've i've written for a very long time and i i also realize what is required to convey emotion and i don't believe in shortcuts i don't believe in softening something by putting a cry face emoji at the end of it to say oh i'm not i'm really not being that serious lol i it's just it's not I'm not willing to do that to the English language, and there's a reason why I'm not willing to is because I'm afraid that it will that it will permeate my other writing as well and that that's a fear of mine that I'll start to become lazy in writing essays or, or writing books or or whatever and I spend a great deal of time writing almost every day and and I, I don't want to I don't want to treat it like it's not serious i i often I try to treat it like a a job, yeah. Um, anyway, is there anything besides my um, collection of jackets? I think you called it a collection. And, well, yeah, I was I was being uh, facetious. I, uh, I don't actually believe in collections, right? I, believe, uh, <laughs> I think collections are are absurd um, for me personally, right? Uh, you do have jackets for what every two degree temperature variation. Like <laughs> that's you, not true. You have provided an explanation for the. Uh, assortment it, of jackets that you I have. I probably do have enough jackets for like that you would need at about every eight degree temperature change. I think I have nine jackets here. Well, what do I have in Montana? Several. Uh, okay, I think I have two in Montana. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a giant coat because it's Montana. Yes. Which, by the way, if we you want to talk about this, we can. It's required. I, I, yeah, I would rather not <laughs> ever need a giant coat. <laughs> I want a divorce from winter. So, uh, for those of you listening to this, um, uh, I spend most of my time in Los Angeles. Bex goes back and forth quite a bit. I spend some time in Montana, and th- that's because Ella, our daughter, her biological father, uh, lives in Montana, and so we have to make certain accommodations and, and certain sacrifices, yeah. uh, the, the brunt of which falls on, on Bex uh, in terms of time. Um, falls uh, a lot on me in terms of uh, monetary sacrifice, <laughs> but uh, we have come to a detente to, to make it work. Yes, we have. And um, 
it's not a perfect life, but it is we we've crafted I I think the best possible life for us. For right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, oh, and I think that's an important thing to point out. Right now, mm-hmm. what what is appropriate for now may not be appropriate now. That that can be it certainly applies to our things, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the coats that Ella owns right now, she won't own three years from now, right? Mm-hmm. The she'll look crazy in them. Um, and I mean, I know sometimes we like buy her shoes that are like two sizes too big, and hopes that she'll grow into them, and she will eventually. But in the meantime, they just look like clown shoes on her. Um, but I think that's what all parents do, right? You don't buy the, the perfect, appropriate size for them. Well, and Ella's an only child, too, so we run into the problem of, like, we don't have any hand-me-downs to give to her. Sure. And we don't have any, you know, children of our own to, like, then move on. Yeah, nor will we. Right, right. Um, but I, I know a lot of people um, either have, you know, multiple children, and so they can kind of pa- pass things down through the kids or they have yeah, systems I don't, I don't of know about that oh I, yes I, like, I, I know i know i know I, and what i'm saying is quite often that becomes an excuse to hoard things i've seen the reason i said mm. it i've had so many people come to me and i have four kids and i've passed the clothes down and i don't know it's been nine years since i've had a kid and i'm still holding on to these things because who knows what might happen and it's like okay yeah you might have another kid maybe probably not but you're holding on to this. It's such an uncertain plan that mm-hmm. that I think it's okay in many of these cases to let go. It's too easy to justify just about anything. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so we, we also don't have a lot of friends with children, mm-hmm. either in Montana or Los Angeles. Right. And so, yeah, hand-me-downs to us are virtually non-existent. Sure. Are non-existent, I should say. And... We hand a few very select, still really, you know, long, long-lived things uh, down to my sister and her children and a couple other people. Yeah. But, yeah. We have a box of, of sex toys. We do have a box of sex toys. We have a lot. <laughs> we have a large box of sex toys here in LA. We have a very small curated selection in Montana. I would argue it's curated here. <laughs> um, and I would also argue that everything in that box falls within the 90-90 rule. And if not, yeah. I'm willing to let it go. I know you are. Yeah. I know. We have fun with that. Indeed. Yeah. In well, more ways than one. Lovehoney.com is, is my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Josh's Responsible for purchasing most of our sex toys. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I always have questions about this when people see it in the background. We we live in an apartment building. Uh, I guess technically it's a, it's a condo building, but we rent this unit here. And by the way, uh, the the woman who rents it to us, um, she was like, "Who who does the interior design in your home?" Oh yeah, because that's a thing apparently. Yeah, I'm like, like people have you... designers come in and do their homes. I'm like, what do you mean? Like it's just our furniture. Uh, and she's like, yeah, but it's so like clean. I'm like, well, yeah, we clean the house. <laughs> uh, she's like, well, yeah, you should, if you want to recommend something, like whenever I stage a house, this is the best it's ever looked. I'm like, it's just because we don't have a bunch of junk in it. That's the only the only reason. I disagree. Um, you have impeccable design sense and it matters to you a lot more than it does most people. It matters to me as well, but it matters to you even more. And so 
two, you know, we're a couple of people for whom aesthetics matter. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we have a, we both share a very similar preference set of preferences when it comes to design. That's and true. so we're able to really narrow narrowly you know populate our space with like things that work really well together and right. like complement each other. And because we don't have a lot of things in the space, the very intentional things that we did bring in um, that complement everything else, it's really obvious that it's done well. Yes, and I, I, the the only thing that I even somewhat disagree with what you said there is, um, you said aesthetics are important to us. I think they're important to everyone, and most people don't realize how important they are. That's fair. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes the analogy I use, which I think I got from Rob Bell, was um, uh, that aesthetics are a part of everything, and they're an essential part. They're an essential part of everything. Now, I don't believe that that function should follow form. Uh, and that you'd want a really uncomfortable postmodern chair because it looks nice or something. I, I do believe the other way around. I think that, that that form should follow function. Right. I mean, that's why we sold our previous dining room chairs. Oh, yes. We had six, you know, really nice, beautiful chairs for a dining room. Mm-hmm. Um, we had six and not four because I wanted an excuse to have some people over from time to time. <laughs> Which we rarely do. Yeah. Um, but then we realized that the upholstery was giving us both butt acne, yeah. you know? And so it was like, yeah, they're beautiful and they weren't inexpensive, but they don't work right. for us. Um, and so thankfully we found a place to resell them, um, mm-hmm. and got, you know, a very good price after trying to sell them ourselves. Um, but yeah, that just goes to your point of not being willing to s- sacrifice. Well, and, and so the, the analogy is that uh, the flowers are attractive because they they court bees to them. And if they were less attractive, they wouldn't attract the bees to them, and, and thus they wouldn't be able to, to you know, reproduce, right. basically. And so even in nature, aesthetics are important. And I think sometimes we we forget that in our own lives because me, I, I'm very utilitarian at heart. Like, I... I am aggressively minimal. When, when you and I first met, I owned basically nothing. Um, not that you could fit everything in my backpack, so, so to speak, but sort of. Like, I, and, and the reason being is we met right after I finished uh, that tour in 2014. And, and I had been on the road for 10 months. Yeah, like you had literally just bought a couch for the first time <laughs> right and like a couple other you know very specific pieces but yeah like right. you didn't own a bed <laughs> like you didn't own anything yeah yeah and so i was um and, and it's not that so now like i own more things than i did five years ago but because our circumstances change yeah and we have a family and it's appropriate for us it's what's right for us and it's what's um comfortable for us uh, given our our current circumstances and I can't really think of anything that people would be too surprised by yeah we have a quite a few books right yeah but not we don't keep most of them in perpetuity like there's a few that 
both you know you really like keeping around for reference and rereading and those mm-hmm. sorts of things and same with me most of them are because of the podcast and just general interest as we go through our months and years um but those those come and go it's a nice thing about having a, a smaller space i mean i don't know what square footage in this place is maybe it's what eight square feet I, I I've always idea. thought it's like right around a thousand okay mm-hmm. um, well yeah our bedroom's fairly big yeah the uh, bedroom yeah and so but it's not a whole lot of space but it's the same with the, the bookshelves right like we have two vertical bookshelves and like I couldn't really fit any more book I mean I guess I could cram some in there if I wanted to but the point is that if I get a new book because I'm gonna talk to someone on the podcast I literally have to get rid of a book that's on there and so I'll replace it with a book and then you know, remove it and, and go donate uh, a book somewhere else. Um, we own a printer, which is an odd thing. Do you, uh, you think, like, uh, why does a, a minimalist need a printer? But there are so many times where I need to print something for a podcast or to sign. Or, and, and so, like, it's this cheap little black and white printer. But uh, The printer adds a lot of value oh, in, for sure. in how much hassle it saves. Yeah, we have one in Montana too, and yeah. it, it just is not something I'm willing to to give up. Um, I think people would be surprised to know we have two plus cabinets full of supplements. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's I, that's serving a purpose, and it's less dramatically less than it was a year ago. Yeah, with all my gut stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been on a regimen. There was a point I was dealing with. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Chris Kelly and, and Dr. Tommy Wood. Um, I think at one point they had me on something like 80 pills a day. I and thought you were over 100 at one point. There was a short period of time for maybe less than a month because I was doing those. It doesn't matter. But yeah, there, there was probably a, a period, of, a very short period of time where yeah. it was 100 pills a day. And um, it's been a long journey, 18, 18 plus months at this point. And... Man, uh, yeah, it's continued to dial back. Yeah. But, yeah, it's still an everyday thing. Um, and, yeah, if you, you look at the cabinets, they are, I mean, they're aggressively organized, but they are, they're full of, of supplements that I'm trying to get down to, to zero. That's the goal. Yeah. 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 Oh, and we have a fireplace here. Oh, two things. <laughs> <laughs> We've only been in one and a half fights in our life. <laughs> and the half fight, uh, the full fight was because you said you wouldn't hide a body for me. We'll talk about that at a different time. <laughs> um, she, don't worry, folks. She, spoiler, she came around. Yes. She's hid several bodies for me at this point. Um, I'm a professional body hider. The, the other half fight was <laughs> we were, I think we were front row at a Ray LaMontagne concert. Or second row or something. We had really good tickets. Me, you, Ryan, and Mariah. Yeah, all I remember is it was, was with Ryan and Mariah. Yeah. And at the very beginning of it, uh, we, it was shortly after we moved in here, and Ryan was like, oh, that's a really nice uh, fireplace you have. And I'm like, yeah, I don't imagine we're going to use it. I don't, I'm not going to, like, I can't even believe they have a wood-burning fireplace. And you were like, it's it's actually Josh it's a gas fireplace and those are fake logs I was so convinced and I'm like 
Bex, do you want to do this here right now? I mean, so <laughs> you got you got mad because I'm like, no, they're real logs. Let's not do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem when two very stubborn, well, pe- when two people who are very used to being right, right, both think they're right, right, and the both pro- know they're right. And I was convinced. Yes. Which almost never happens if i'm not actually correct right so it was, yeah it was bad and you were actually so convinced that you made me doubt even though i had had a conversation with the landlord about the fireplace oh yeah and i'm like man maybe bex was right and our landlord who owns the house or the <laughs> condo is wrong in fairness that's a distinct possibility <laughs> sure that you're right about that but but still i'm like i've touched the logs they're really good i mean they went to this great why didn't they just put fake why did they put real logs in there i mean they, they look they and feel real they they i mean they're they might as well just be real yeah they are um and then also, this is one thing that was surprising. We have a TV above that fireplace. Oh, yeah. Which is not something I would buy now or put up on a wall or anything, but it came with this place. And I guess it was just the, the people who lived here previously. Yeah, the previous tenants. They just left it. Put it up and didn't want to deal with taking it down yeah. and patching things. It's a giant TV with a surround sound system. Um, and yeah, I mean, we watch it a few times a week for sure, Yeah, but I, it's not something I would, uh, in, in fact, I, if I lived on my own right now, um, uh, I would not have a TV. Um, I mean, we don't have a TV in Montana. Right. Yeah. I, I would not have internet at home. Mm. And in fact, I was going to do an experiment with you and Ella next time you come out here where you hide the Wi-Fi password from me. Um, just because... It, by the way, I live without... Oh, shit. My inner... My, time to take supplements. <laughs> Supplement alarm. <laughs> take evening pills. All right. Anyway. Uh, yes. I would not have home internet. And I went five years without home internet. And it was a great decision for me personally and, and I was wildly productive, but it was also a huge inconvenience. Yeah. But I liked the inconvenience. Yeah. I actually enjoyed the inconvenience. Uh, and I also had this thing with my phone where by the door, which we don't have a place for now, I've been putting this more and more in the junk drawer. Um, but I, I had a place for my phone as soon as I walked in the door that stayed right there. And I had no home internet. I had no TV. And it was, it was a great experience. It was a frustrating experience, just like meditation is frustrating. Right. But you know, uh, exercise can be frustrating, right? Yes. But you know, Yoga is extremely frustrating. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so... To me. Yeah, me too. Uh, but what, what I'm realizing is that right now would be the ultimate test during this whole quarantine of not having internet at home. Because before, what did I do? I had an office space I would go to, or I'd go... When I first started, it was back in Dayton. I went to Ryan's house to use his internet. Or I went to the public library, or I went to a coffee shop, or whatever. I couldn't do any of that now. But you know what? I think I'd be fine. I think I would still find a way to make it all work. Really? Yes. 
I think I would. I don't know how, but that's. Say, I that, want to hear this plan. I, I don't know, but like, and I don't want to participate. But I will. <laughs> but I will hide the password from you. That, that's the beauty of <laughs> of these temporary constraints, mm-hmm. because if we're forced into a situation like that. We get creative really quickly, and I remember as soon as soon as I got rid of home internet, I finished within a year. I finished two and a half books writing not reading right I started reading way more books and I found that that my relationship with my own mind was different yeah yeah in a way yeah and I read something uh, maybe we finish with this I read something about uh, Brad Pitt recently and they asked him yes we can talk about Brad Pitt <laughs> <laughs> you know he's like 5'10 right I can shrink <laughs> I have a policy of not dating men that are my height or shorter. And if you just listen, Bex is six seven. <laughs> <laughs> she is a Viking. Oh, apparently Brad Pitt is off the menu. <laughs> no, I'm, God su- damn it. I'm sure he's tall. Um, anyway, because uh, he's you know, super handsome and, and very smart and articulate as well. And, and uh, anyway, he said he hasn't read the a news article or anything from the press since 2004. Wow. And, and to me, I, I found That's myself... a special kind of restraint. I mean, I found the restraint right now is me getting on the internet once a day and checking the news just to make sure the world is still out there. But guess what? It, it is out there, and it, we're going to be fine. We're going to hear about it if it's not. Yeah. Last night, the, there was someone got... Uh, did a carjacking in our neighborhood. Yes, something happened. And uh, we were out on the balcony watching the helicopters overhead. And at one point, the helicopters were... It seemed so dystopian. Because the helicopters were were from just above our building. They were... Literally circling our building in this very small surrounding area. For two hours. But yeah, at one point over the intercom, they were saying, stay in your homes, lock your doors. And the cops had all the streets blocked off. They were walking around with M16s. It felt like, uh, and then you and I were having fun with conspiracy theories that we didn't actually believe in. But we were like, okay, let's, let's pretend there weren't actual carjackers and they didn't rob the Trader Joe's or whatever. And... The police are just doing this. Why are they doing this? Why? And they're testing us to see who are the the real uh, dissidents and and who they need to contain. And uh, we must have had an hour conversation about which, which at first you did not want to participate in at all, but you quickly <laughs> fell down the the fake conspiracy rabbit hole with me, uh, which is fun to do since neither one of us really believe in any conspiracies. Right. It's it's especially fun to do that, but you can also that, see how people get carried away with. That's it. why it was a little hard for me because I just am so allergic to it to begin with. I'm You're like, so literal. Why are we doing this? <laughs> but it was fun. Yes. I enjoyed it. Everything's fun with you. I think it's a good place to end it. I agree. I love you. I love you too.